Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning and welcome. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Linda Baldwin. And we are your hosts for today's Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. For those that don't know, Linda's my mom. Yay! <laughs> I'm glad you're cheering about that. <laughs> but thanks for joining us. We have a really fun show. Um, I think the only reason you're co-hosting with me is because of our lineup. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I want to hang out with the with them. <laughs> I want to hang out with them today. <laughs> so today is a, a special day, um, a very special feast day. It is the feast day of Saints John Fisher and Thomas More. So let's uh, start our prayer with a collect from them. In the name of Father and Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, and who in martyrdom have brought true faith to its highest expression, Graciously grant that strengthened through the intercession of Saints John Fisher and Thomas More that we may confirm by the witness of our life the faith we profess with our lips through Christ our through Lord Jesus Christ your Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Name Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Who are you waving at? There was somebody at the door. Oh, okay. So we are broadcasting this morning from the Mustard Sea Catholic Bookstore. Mom should be working, but instead I've snagged her and put her on the radio. So St. Thomas More has a special meaning to us. Right. A little uh, bit. So love Tommy More. So, <laughs> so some of uh, people might not realize the history of uh, St. Thomas More in Rapid City, um, but we were there at a very transitional time for St. Thomas More and St. Martin's. So let's start. Christine, my sister, who's older than I am, was um, two years older than I am, and she went to St. Martin's. So let's start there, Mom. Okay. She um, was a freshman out at St. Martin's Academy, and that year we didn't know what was going to happen, but the sisters um, called us and told us, uh, called a, a meeting of all the parents and told them they were going to close the school at the end of the year and and we had to scramble to find a, to create a Catholic school and we and you did it yeah we did it 120 kids in in a brand new place the basement of <laughs> <laughs> NAU <laughs> the, the kids complain about that all the time that they the class between Christine and Heather spent all four years in the basement of NAU. And they, yeah, and they don't talk about it very much. We were known as the children under the stairs. Yeah. We went to high school in the basement. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it was pretty exciting, but let's discuss that later, shall we? Yes, yes. We can discuss more later. So I'm excited because Father Scott Miller, it's strange to call you Father Scott. <laughs> Have you gotten used to it yet? Oh, no, I, th I believe it'll take a, a good year. <laughs> yeah. I can't really put a timeline on these things. But. Right, right. You let us know when it becomes normal. 
<laughs> I've responded to it, so well, <laughs> it's become You've somewhat normal. To it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you on as our first guest this morning. You're newly ordained to the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Can you share with us a little bit of your background, your family background? Sure. So, yeah, I come from a family of five. My parents are Todd and Linda Miller. Here in town, they go to St. Lambert Parish. That's where I grew up going. Ah. And on the east side, so we're east siders. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and with my initial assignment being St. Michael's, we're uh, kind of, mm-hmm. I'm going to the other side of town. Yeah. The west side, <laughs> the west side story. So it'll be good. Um, but yeah, so Todd and Linda Miller, and then my, I'm the youngest of three boys. So the, okay. there's to, or, uh, Ryan is, what is he, 33? He's married and has two kids. The second one just came, Jacob. Jacob just was born a couple weeks ago, so we're excited about that. They live in Sioux Falls, and he and his wife Libby are both doctors. Uh, he for Avera, and she for Sanford. And keeping then, things even, huh? Yeah, yeah. You got to spread it out, spread the love around, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, and then um, then my other brother Chad is still single. He's so there's three years between each of us, and he's um, lives up in the Twin Cities and works for a landscape architecture firm. He's a landscape architect. Oh. So. Very cool. So you were born and raised Catholic? Yep. Very yep. cool. So um, did you go to Catholic school or did you go to public? Public school. Okay. So I, I love that part. Yeah. Not, yeah, a lot of people Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, wow, you went to, that's, How good did... things can come from public school too. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, like, just like others said, good things can come from Nazareth. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So tell us a little bit about um, your first inkling that you may want to be a priest. Yeah, so actually it started right around First Communion. My parents really? my parents reminded me that it was, because they, they could remember the timeline more precisely. I remembered it was something around second or third grade, but I, apparently it was right after First Communion when my grandparents started to ask me, for whatever reason, what do you want to do when you grow up, Scott? And it was always my grandpa on my dad's side. It was always Bob Miller and uh, and Gwen as well but the Miller side and they'd always ask me and I would always say either an NBA player <laughs> or a priest <laughs> I really at the time my heart and mind was set on NBA of course when you're eight years old nine years old that's what you dream um, so I'd, I really it was mysterious at that point to me why that would even be a thought especially mm-hmm. since I didn't have I mean we were a faithful Catholic family my parents raised us really well in the faith but um, and we go to Sunday Mass, no matter where we were at, no matter if we were on vacation or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So very, very faithful and do all those sorts of things. But um, I didn't have a lot of contact with priests other than Sunday Mass. You know, Father sure. Mark Lichter was my pastor at the time and, and for, during First Communion. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not. He's so great. fun. Eh? He's, he's, he's a, a hoot. Yeah, he's yeah. a goofball. Yeah, he's a hoot. Um, yeah. But so he was he was pastor. I didn't really have much contact with him growing up, or really any priest, because I, a being public schooled, and b I didn't really altar serve growing up at all. Oh, okay. Um, my parents asked me and Chad if we wanted to altar serve after the model of our oldest brother Ryan, and and neither of us were too interested in it. <laughs> so we just said no, and they respected that, and so we didn't. They also asked me if I wanted to go to Catholic school when it came time for me to go to, I think it was maybe second grade, maybe it was kindergarten, I don't remember what grade. Um, but I just, seeing my brothers in public school, I was like, well, why would I do anything different? Right. So I just followed in their footsteps in public school. So Annie Sullivan, Whittier, and Washington. Okay. High school. 
So then here, here you are going about life like normal. How did you make that leap? <laughs> Definitely not by my own work, but by <laughs> God's work in me. It was very gradual. It took all throughout childhood, the thought of the priesthood would come off and on. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I waged a sort of, um, I guess I made a little bit of a compromise with the Lord, so to speak. I was like, well, Lord, I can serve the church. How about I'll be a deacon instead? I, I can be married. I can have kids. And yeah. I hate public speaking. I don't want to do it that often. <laughs> so, you know, the idea of that just terrified me. So, um, but that was probably middle school, high school. And then at the end of high school, I considered, I, so I went to University of South Dakota for my first year of college and studied biology, or began to study biology, planning on pre-physical therapy as my track. Um, and But even that senior year when I started considering that path, I knew it was, on a human level, very rewarding, just being able to shadow a physical therapist a couple times. I was excited to see the the one-on-one patient interaction, being able to track a patient's progress through a rehab period. That was a very exciting uh, prospect. But if I was honest with myself, which I don't know if I was entirely honest with myself yet, (laughs) deep down, even then, I knew that that wasn't going to be it, that that Mm. wasn't for me. As good and as noble of a career as that was, that wasn't certainly my vocation. Um, But I didn't know what to do with that. And it wasn't until the summer before I entered college where I had a deeper conversion experience and I started to pray a little bit more, and I redis- this is the part I distinctly remember, was the thought of the priesthood started to come more regularly, much to my dismay. <laughs> <laughs> and because I wanted to be married, have kids, and public speaking, nope, no, can't yeah. do. So I remember saying to God, probably the most honest prayer I've ever prayed, it was, God, I don't want to be a priest but this thought keeps coming up in my mind. If you want me to be a priest, you got to help me to say yes, because I can't. I won't. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. Um, I'm happy to serve you, but I'm not happy to serve you as a priest. <laughs> Basically, I didn't say that necessarily yeah. in so many words, but that he was... Knew. He, he knew, that was, yeah. Yeah, he knew. <laughs> yeah. Yep. and he really did answer it, even beginning that first semester at college. Um, and I say that now in hindsight, it... He created in me a space of emptiness in my heart um, at, on the path that I was on. I, was, I really enjoyed the school I was at. I loved USD. I had good friends. I was going to the Newman Center, um, praying more regularly, even going to daily mass. So everything was just kind of falling into place. And on the exterior, everything seemed great, really, even interiorly in a sense, because mm-hmm. I was living a, a life of at least some devotion. And... Um, and yet I was empty. I, w- I distinctly remember saying to myself, I don't belong here. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. Hmm. But it was terrifying for, you know, an American male who wants to have a 10-year plan of his life <laughs> figured out uh, for me to have that uncertainty. And so I didn't know what to do, but God provided. It was in January of that first year of college, so 2013 would be the, give you a time frame. There was a period of less than two weeks, I think it was probably a week and a half, where there were three priests that came up to me in some way, shape, or form and asked me or said to me, have you ever considered becoming a priest? And the first one, I didn't really let seep in that much. It was just kind of almost irksome that a priest from Texas or wherever he was from, I was in Florida for a a focus conference called SEEK, 
and went to confession with this quote-unquote random, you know, priest. And never learned his name, or if I did, I forgot it. Um, But he asked me this question after confession, and I'm thinking, how do you know what's going on with me? (laughs) And so I tried to forget what he said and let that go. (laughs) Hopefully that'll never, ever happen again. And it happened again. (laughs) A few days later, I was back in Sioux Falls, or in Vermilion, getting ready for the spring semester, and I uh, had plans to get dinner with Father John Rutten that night, and he was the only priest out of these three that I had some connection with. I didn't really know him even then that well. Now we're good friends, but... um, And that same night before dinner, I got a call from my mom, and she gave me the news that my grandpa had just passed away, Mm -hmm. Grandpa Bob Miller. Um, suddenly Mm. he was out ice fishing at Lake Cochran and he had a heart attack and he was my last grandparent and I remember just weeping for quite a while in my dorm room just sitting there alone because my roommate hadn't gotten back and uh, I but after I came to after after you know um, crying for a while I just remembered memories of he and grandma um, asking me that question when I was eight years old after first communion Scott, what do you want to do when you grow up? The priesthood was right there. Then I had dinner with Father John that night. I didn't cancel the plans. And he asked me the same question. And I could not, at that point, ignore it. Yeah. Well, to fast forward, because I know we're running short on time. No, um, we're going to go to break and we'll come back. Oh. So you are going to be in the hot seat a little bit longer. Oh, all righty. So, yeah, so I had dinner with Father John and... We had a pretty good conversation, normal conversation. I don't remember much of the content of it, but all I do remember was the question was popped again. Have you ever considered the priesthood? And I just really start laughing because I'm (laughs) (laughs) partly out of disbelief that another priest could be asking you in such a a short period of time the same question, but partly out of an initial excitement the first time that I could really point to me being excited about the possibility of the Hmm. priesthood was on the night of my grandpa's death. Hmm. And so that's kind of where it began. And then the Lord knew he had a small window and a lot to do. <laughs> and so maybe we can pick up after, yeah, after the break after with the that. Yeah, after the break. I like that. You know how to do radio, don't you? Look at you. I You're all I just hear the voice in my head saying, just breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, <laughs> breathe out. <laughs> well, he's right. We do need to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to have the ending of Father Scott Miller's vocation story. So stick with us. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you forgiven those who have hurt you, especially those who abandoned or left you after taking their own life? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus says that you can only be forgiven by God if you forgive others. It is one of the most important things you can ever do, for if you don't, you are jeopardizing your own salvation. When you refuse to forgive someone, you are not hurting them, you are only hurting yourself. Forgiveness is a critical part of the healing process, which includes forgiving yourself. Also, forgiveness may not be nearly as difficult as you think. So join us and learn how to forgive, and God can fully forgive you through His love and mercy. 
please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Linda Baldwin. And we're broadcasting today from the Mustard Seed in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. We're talking with Father Scott Miller. He's been sharing with us his faith journey to the priesthood and we left off you uh were talking about how you had in a very short window of time uh three people three priests ask you have you thought of the priesthood mm-hmm. so we you had gone out to uh coffee or dinner with father john rutten and he makes the priesthood look good doesn't he yeah he seems to have a little bit of fun <laughs> and he asked you the question um, and that was just a couple days after you had been to the Sikh conference, yes. where another priest had asked you. So talk about the third one. So yeah, so um, after Father John, there were a couple days in between the next one, and it was at my grandpa's wake ceremony. Mm-hmm. So we drove up to s- southwest Minnesota. He grew up and lived and died in, in Canby, Minnesota, so mm-hmm. kind of close to, in between Pipestone and Marshall, that area. Sure. And I didn't really know this priest other than when we'd go and visit Grandpa, because he was widowed um, for the last three years of his life. We'd visit him for Christmas and Easter, and so we'd go to Mass at his parish. So his Father Craig Timmerman is his name. The Timmerman family is pretty well known in that area. There's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> and he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful priest. I've gotten to know him a little bit more as the years have gone by. But at the wake, on the way up to the wake, I had this really odd desire to share something about my grandpa. He was a man of great faith, a man, a very strong man too. And imagine a farm boy that also was an army. Um, he was kind of like the what would you call it? the physical trainer for his platoon in the army hey. during the Korean oh, wow. War. So a guy that could do one-arm push-ups, just just kind of that image of your of a man in your mind. And also a man of great faith. And I had this inkling, this desire, but also this terror because Mm -hmm. of public Public speaking. speaking. (laughs) Yeah, to share something about not just a funny memory of Grandpa, but something substantive about that I really honored and and admired about him, and that was his faith. And so 
when it came time at the funeral home to offer a memory, I went up there and shared, and I was shaking like a leaf. I was oh so nervous, goodness. so nervous that I just, you know, just did not want to be up there at all. But I apparently wanted to be up there. Something yeah. deeper in me, the Holy Spirit was really... Your grandpa um, poking you. Moving. Yeah, yeah, really. I really attribute to his prayers a lot of my yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's, it's mysterious to know how much and to what degree, and yep. but I certainly connect a lot of that with him. So, praise be to God for that. But it was at his wake then, I shared just a few words, and despite my leafy shakiness, <laughs> I must have said something good in there because my aunts and uncles came up to me and they're like, Scott, thank you for your beautiful words. You spoke straight from your heart. Thank you. And, um, and then I was sitting down next to my parents, Todd and Linda, and my two older brothers, Ryan and Chad, and still at the, nurse, at the uh, funeral home. And Father Craig Timmerman comes up to me and says, this isn't a question, though. He says, if you want to become a priest, I'm the vocations director for the Diocese of New Walm. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So if there was any unclarity left, that it was gone after that moment. Because it was really the Lord saying to me, um, you know, Scott, you think you're weak in this area or that area, but look, I can make all things new. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want with whatever I want. And um, Yeah, that's and just been the reading. Don't, don't plan what you're going to say. I'll tell you what to say. You know, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to yeah. say. Just, that's just was... So perfect. You're living proof it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. The Lord does provide. And I have to say that preaching, although it's not, it's never easy, it's a hard task really mm-hmm. to, to put the Word of God, uh, to give it due honor and, and dignity while also getting it to a level where we can, it can be tangible for the people. It's, it's never an easy task, but I've found great joy in it, and it also has brought me closer to the Lord and His Word. Um, being in more constant contact with him mm-hmm. in the word, and I can't say that the nerves are gone. Right. And I think that's no. I've been told by many priests, I'm still, I'm really still get nervous. It's normal. You, you should still get nervous, Scott. Mm-hmm. If you're, <laughs> if you care about what you're doing, you should be a yeah. little bit nervous. But I can say that the nerves don't take me over to the right. degree that they used to, and um, it's a testament to God's grace and also just. A little bit of perseverance on my part, a little bit of just not saying no. Yeah. <laughs> not so much me saying, yes, I'll do it, with great enthusiasm, yeah. but okay, I guess I'll do it, and trudging along. <laughs> well, and and that's just little it. By God, little. God just equips us with what we need, because yeah. we all have our, our hard spots. You know, every time I put on my headset to go live on the air, I say, you know, come Holy Spirit, because it's like nerve-wracking, even though I've done Amen. it for a couple days, you know, but it's uh, God just provides he it does. always comes through. So, what was your family's reaction? So, I remember my brothers both said, you know, Scott, we're not surprised. Really? Yeah. Wow, awesome. They, they did, I don't know if they would have said they saw it coming, but, mm-hmm. but they definitely weren't surprised when it happened. And then, for my parents, I was much more concerned, I don't know why, because they've always been supportive of me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fears, we always have fears, and one of the great fears I had was, how are my parents going to react? And so it, was, it wasn't until three weeks or so after all these events had taken place that I had started to apply. I started to work with Father John Rutten on like, the application process. Father Paul was uh, is his brother and was the vocations director at the time. So I was working with both of them mm-hmm. on getting started applying. But before that process really got to 
take course, I, um, I needed some solidarity with my parents. I needed some approval of my parents. So one weekend I packed up my bags just to go home and tell my parents the news. And when I told them my story, what I shared with you, they said to me, Scott, you have to go to seminary. Hmm. Um, it's clear that God is working in your life, and, and you have to go and see. You yeah. have to go and see. And so I was very, it was amazing. There's just a piece that washed over me because I was so nervous to bring it up to them, thinking that they would think, oh, this is not real, this isn't true. But, of course, when God's at work... He can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so. beautiful. That's beautiful. And so, my parents have been supportive all throughout it. So, One of the things I always like to ask the new priests, um, thinking back to, since your ordination wasn't that long ago, what was one part of the ordination that really stood out for you, that was really moving for you, that really impacted you, the ordination for your priesthood specifically? There were a few things. One simply the prayer of ordination um, mm. where Bishop at the point where he said make these men your priests or to something to that degree where that was like the moment when I was made a priest it was just like <laughs> it was amazing I don't really know how to describe it but it just was there was like a movement in my gut <laughs> in some ways <laughs> physically mm -hmm. um, but it was definitely a sense of great peace and I'm like wow I'm a priest now. And it doesn't really, it hits you at different points, and sometimes you're, I'm still called father, and I don't, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah. But um, that was one moment. And then the other, I'd say, that maybe even impacted me a bit more was the both the laying on of hands by mm -hmm. my brother priests, and at that time, I guess it was before the, the ordination itself, but the laying on of hands of the priests, and then the embrace by the priests mm -hmm. after the ordination. Um, after the rite was finished. And and to be able to look out and see those men being incensed during the offertory while they stood up and the rest of the congregation stayed seated, I'm like, there's a real difference. Mm -hmm. They're they're being and I'm I'm with them now. Mm -hmm. They're mine and I am theirs and I'm a brother with them and they're a brother with me. So I that really was probably the most um the most moving part of the mass for me. I will have to include this last part because it includes my grandpa. So a couple days before when we rehearsed for the Mass, the MCs doled out to the ordinandi, the, those to be ordained, um, the different parts of the Eucharistic prayer that we would go up and say. And I was given the one for the remembrance of the dead. Oh. And when I paused, I mean, first of all, I just knew, I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. this is amazing. I get to pray for my grandpa. I offered my first Mass, which was my ordination Mass, for my grandpa. Um, who I strongly believe has a huge, huge part in my vocation. And I hope he's in heaven, but we still offer prayers, you right. know. Yeah. And to be able to have that part of the Eucharistic prayer was very beautiful. I mean, just words can't, words can't touch it, words can't describe it. And even the sentiments, you can't say, I, I don't know. It was, it was very normal and very beautiful, but also very extraordinary to be able to, to do that wow. for my grandpa. So. Very providential that Beautiful. the Lord through the MC gave me that those prayers to say. <laughs> yeah. Could have had it. any of the other three. So now that Mom and I are both crying, I know I'm a big baby. I cry we are. About. We cry about everything. But um, 
thinking of, so your future now, like you said, is at St. Michael's. When do you begin at St. Michael's? July 1st. July 1st. And yeah. Father Thomas Hartman will be joining you. He'll be moving you. in soon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So are, soon what St. are you looking Michael's. forward to the most? You know, oh gosh, it's a good question. Um, You're like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, I am ex- I'm just excited for the unknown. I, there's mm-hmm. a few things that the, they have me doing in July with the youth and with a mission trip, so that'll be fun. Um, just getting to know the parishioners, because it's one thing to be a priest that does the sacraments, and that's great. And I've been able to do that for the past few weeks as a priest, offering Mass here and there. But I don't, I'm not connected to a people yet. And mm-hmm. so to, be, to really belong to a people and then to belong to me, that'll, that means yeah. a lot more when you're offering the sacrifice of the Mass. Um, Although the sacrifice of the Mass has intrinsic meaning in and of itself. Right? Yeah. I mean, we don't want to take away from that. But that's one. And working with Father Tom will be wonderful. He's just an astounding man, a man of great prayer mm-hmm. and virtue. And just yeah. just a fun guy. He's yeah. probably better with the youth than I am. <laughs> he probably has more energy than I do. I know. So, <laughs> so more to, to come from that. that. Yeah. Well... Father Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And of course, my privilege. Thank we you. We love seeing you in this store. You always bring a smile to everyone's face. So, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Heather. Will you part us with a blessing? Of course. Yeah. It's, a, it's the priestly bless, blessing from the book of Numbers that my mother would always pray. Um, she would impart to me when I was a child going to bed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father Scott. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 